Welcome to the Speakernomics Podcast, the official podcast of the National Speakers Association. I'm your host, Robert Kennedy III, RK3. That's me. Speakernomics is the show where we flow and go and help you to know how to grow a thriving speaking business. Why? So you can change the world, of course. Now, join me for the journey, will you? What are we talking about today? We're talking about defibrillators. Did I say that even right? It's defibrillator. That, that, that thing, you know those things that EMs, EMTs use? They shout clear and and they shock the life and the pulse back into the heart. And for some speakers, the heart and the pulse of their business stopped during the pandemic. And no matter what they have done, they just can't seem to get their mojo and their business momentum back. Well, today, we're going to welcome back an old friend with his shock paddles to explore how to shock the life back into your business. So let's hum a tune or get a ringer. My guest today is Tom Singer. Tom, what's up, my friend? Hey, Robert, it is so great to be back on Speakernomics. My goodness, I've missed you, buddy. I really have. <laughs> I, I, I got to tell you, for the two years I hosted this show, it was the highlight of my 14 years in the National Speakers Association. I, I loved hosting this show, but yeah. you've done a great job taking it over. Well, welcome back. I appreciate it. And I hope you're not here to evaluate me, man. I... <laughs> yes, like in Toastmasters, I'm going to give you a three-point evaluation of your speakernomics hosting skills. No. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Well, listen, we've got something fantastic that we're going to talk about. And as we do, as you used to do at the top of this episode, what is the one fantastic, phantasmical pro-speaking business tip that you brought with you for this for this episode? I think that the one thing you have to remember, especially if you want to restart or retool or re-engage your career, is you have to remember that you're a salesperson first, then you're a speaker. If you're not getting the gigs, you're not speaking. So you've got to be focused on sales and marketing and creating that word of mouth so that you can get the leads so that you can speak. That was so good. What a way to start. Now, before we sing a business song with Tom, let's hop on over to the Speakernomics voicemail box and see what we've got. The first rule of influence is to understand your buyer or your audience and what they care about. And it helps if you really care about them. And I think most of us members of NSA really do care that we drive outcomes for our audiences. I will oftentimes do a stakeholder interview or three to understand what motivates an audience member, where their pain points are. Lately, I've been doing more surveys of membership, uh, especially with if it's a defined group or a sample survey, if it's a larger association to really focus on the key words they use to talk about what they need and where they're facing hurdles and where they'd like to succeed. By stitching their own words into my presentation, I'm more able to connect with them quickly and to demonstrate a real link between what I'm hoping they get from the presentation and what they've already told me they need. Hey, this is Ted Ma. How do we get our audiences to care about what we want them to care about? The answer is deceptively simple. We frame the conversation around what's in it for them. When we sell them an outcome that they want, they will buy into our ideas. 
Wow, those are some great responses. You've got to take your customers on a journey so both of you know exactly where you're headed. It's for your safety and theirs. <laughs> Keep them coming. Do me a big old favor. Share your thoughts. As soon as you hear the question at the end of today's episode, head on over to speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail. That's speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail. We'll get your response on an upcoming show. And so again, I say go answer the question by going to speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail. All right, let's get into it. We've got a former superstar rock star on the show here today. Tom Singer is the Hall of Fame host for the Speakernomics podcast. Yes, you got to put that in. His claim to fame is community, collaboration, and conversations. He is a CSP certified by the National Speakers Association. He's author of 12 books. My goodness. Where do you have time to write all of those, Tom? I, well, I haven't I haven't written one since I started podcasting eight years ago. My goodness. My goodness. So maybe you could just transcribe all these podcasts <laughs> and you could have about 45 additional books. Wouldn't that be something fantastic? I'm sure there's some gold in here. I bet AI can do that for me. <laughs> All right. So listen, I talked about this whole de defibrillator thing at the beginning, shocking the life back into not just the person, but into your business. And a lot of us experienced this event over the last three years where we were working as speakers one day. And then all of a sudden we lost the majority of our business within 30 days or less. And for, uh, and for some people, They've been working really hard to get it back, or some people just stopped partway through. Let's talk about how that showed up for you. What happened for you at the beginning in March 2020? Sure. Well, I became a full-time professional speaker in 2009. Yeah. And every year forward, my, my business grew a little bit. And by 2010 or 11, I was making as much money as I had made in corporate America. And then from there it, it grew. Now I like to be really clear because yeah. I'm super honest about this is I never was famous. I wasn't trying to be a million dollar a year speaker. I had a great lifestyle business that took care of my lifestyle. It took care of feeding my family. Uh, it, you know, my wife worked part-time. She didn't have like a big high paying job where with insurance and things like that, we, we had to get that through the speaking business. And from 2009 until March of 2020, we had a, a nice little life going and it all was working. And I just thought for the next 10 or 15 years, this was what I was going to do because yeah. it just fed on itself. My business was very heavily based on word of mouth. And so the more I would speak, the more I would get more speaking gigs. And it had worked for 11 years. I just was pretty convinced that, you know, my cheese was not going to get moved. And then <laughs> the pandemic came. And I wasn't one of these people who followed the advice of multiple streams of income or you need to have all these different things because I didn't want to do those things. I just wanted to go and speak. And then that stopped. And for me, my focus of my business was small to mid-size associations mm -hmm. speaking at their annual meetings that had somewhere between 500 and 1,000 people. That was where you would find Tom Singer if he was going to be on stage. So I, I occasionally would speak for larger associations. I occasionally would speak for corporations or colleges. But most of my work, 80-plus percent, was the small and mid-size association world. Yeah. And who got hit worst during the pandemic than that size client? Because they weren't having meetings and that's how they generated their income. Yeah. So my clients didn't have big budgets to pay for speaking. So if I was doing online stuff, it was heavily discounted to whatever they could scrap together. And I wasn't able to put back together the money to keep the lifestyle going that my family needed. During, during the pandemic, my youngest daughter got accepted into an Ivy League college. And one of my speaker friends said, well, you can't let her go to Dartmouth because of the financial situation. Well, right. how do you, 
how do you tell a kid who worked her life to get into her first choice college that, well, the pandemic hit, dad's business is a bust, you're not going. So that wasn't an option. We had to keep the lifestyle flowing. And for me, I just kept plodding along. I kept trying things. I threw a lot of spaghetti against the wall. But the truth was, for three years, I wasn't able to get my speaking business back. Wow. Uh, in 2022, when the world opened up, there was a lot of speaking going on. But a lot of clients, including mine, were using speakers they had contracted in early 2020 or in 2019. And so I was working last year, but I had been paid three years earlier or two years earlier. So I wasn't generating actual income because I'd spent that money on things like the mortgage. So for me, I kind of, I went through a flat line and while I wasn't at zero, yeah. I, I wasn't making anywhere near the money I needed to do. So two things. First thing I did was I went and got a full-time job. I'm now the CEO of the Austin Technology Council. Mm -hmm. It's a 30 year old organization here in Austin that needed to be reinvented. And since I teach community and collaboration, they came to me to, to try and redo this organization. So I've been doing that since last June, but I also have been working to get that speaking business back and generating business again. And so yeah. that's been the, the hardest thing I've ever done in my career. But in April of 2023, I'm seeing 2019 numbers again in my sales. And that's the first time that's come anywhere close to that in three years. Wow. So you've got the business plus at this point. So I, I want to put a pin in that because I want to go back just a moment to some of the types of people that we saw in the speaking business once the pandemic hit. So we had some people that just kind of threw up their hands and said, you know, the world's gone to blah, blah, blah. And I'm just never going to be back at the space again. So I'm just going to to get a job. OK, you said some people that pivoted to to doing virtual and doing some other things, coaching. And then you also had some people who knew that the job was that they were going to take was was just a temporary thing. And once the pandemic quit or ended, they they gave up those jobs. But for a lot of them, there was a little bit of shame involved in, in this process. Take us through your emotional state. What did you have to deal with? mentally as you were trying to make this switch, flip the switch from professional speaker, keynoter, association speaker, now to a an employee? Sure. Well, this started in 2020 because I actually went to work part-time for an executive search firm. Yeah. Again, my skill is connecting people. And so uh, a large international executive search firm, I'm friends with one of the people who was one of the, the leaders of, of the U.S. practice. He came to me and invited me to join his team. Mm -hmm. And so from 2020 to 2022, I did that. Now, it was an eat-what-you-kill job. So I only got paid if I brought deals in and I worked the deals and I, and I worked on a couple, yeah. but I was doing it part time and I wasn't able to upscale that business to take care of the income either. And I was, I was pulled in two different directions, having a fully commissionable job and a fully commissionable, if you will, speaking business where what I, what I did was what fed me. The, the combination of the two drew me in different areas. Right. So when I decided to take the full-time job with the association, you know, it was, I had already stuck my toe in that world. Mm -hmm. One of the most interesting things was how many people in the National Speakers Association would either say something behind my back or they would say it directly to me that, well, you've left the business wow. because you've taken on this role as CEO. And it's not that there was shame in them saying that because they were wrong, but, you know, it hurt for 
people just to say, well, Tom took a job. He's no longer uh, a professional speaker, a full-time speaker, or he sold out. So it was a little hard to hear my friends just make assumptions that I failed or that I, I left the business entirely, which neither of those was true. Right. The pandemic was a real thing that hit everyone who worked in a face-to-face industry. And I'll be honest, some of our peers did a great job of pivoting. Yep. Some of them some of them grew their business during that time because of the type of products they did. If you did corporate speaking and training, your clients were looking to do more because they had to be providing things to bring their team together. So there was a lot of online training. I was a pure keynoter. I would come in and I would speak at a conference. Sometimes I would be the MC, but 80% of my work was a keynote and I didn't have anything to sell. If there was a company in the audience, I didn't have anything to sell to them. And so, you know, there just wasn't a lot of keynotes. And if you were talking about building relationships, that wasn't the big problem during the pandemic. So I did pivot and I was teaching people how to keep in touch with their clients while social distancing. But again, the rates of what I was able to command just weren't there. So it did hurt me. I mean, it, it, it sort of sucked away my self-worth, uh, my self-esteem and my income mm-hmm. all at once. So I'm pretty honest and, and I've actually gotten pushback from some people that I was too honest right. um, on Speakernomics when I was hosting it or other shows I was interviewed on. I would talk about how bad my business got hit. And I had speakers call me and say, lie, tell people <laughs> that you've pivoted and you're doing very well. Yeah. Well, I just, I I couldn't do that. I couldn't go out and say best year of my career when it was the worst year of my career. So for me, you know, I I went through a a mental health problem and I'm I'm not shy about saying that either. I struggled uh, the last couple of years because my identity was very much wrapped up Mm. in the success I built as a speaker. And so all of this came together and and yeah, it, it was hard to answer your question. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah. Yeah. So you've, you've, you've gone through that and now you are, you know, the pandemic is essentially for all intents and purposes over air quotes for those of you who are not seeing a video here, knocking, knocking on wood, (laughs) right? But you still have this other, other job. How do you see your business now? Do you see it going back or are you building something different than you had before? Hi, I'm Joseph with Leadership Books. If you are planning on attending Influence 2023 in Orlando this year, I would like to invite you to our official pre-conference author summit hosted on site Friday, July 14th. If you are an aspiring or existing author that would like to take your platform to the next level, this is a must attend event. You will walk away fully equipped to sell more books and gain more clients. Be sure to get your tickets today at GetPublishedSummit.com. How do you see your business now? Do you see it going back or are you building something different than you had before? I'm building something very different, right? Because I've made a commitment to this association to to rebuild it. And that is a three plus year job to be able to rebuild a community uh, in a 30 year old organization. So, you know, I'm, I'm committed to that. But part of what I negotiated was I could keep my speaking business. And the great thing that came out of the pandemic is if you have a full-time job, in many cases, a lot of the work you do, you can work remotely. So if I'm giving a keynote in Phoenix, like I did this week, I don't even have to take a day off, right? Because my time with the client was like two and a half hours. Mm I flew in the night before I woke up in the morning. I worked three hours for my job. I went over the client. I spent three or four hours. I had some lunch. I went to the Admiral's club at the airport and spent three more hours doing work, sending out invoices, doing things for the association. I boarded a plane and I got home and I was home by eight o'clock at night. Mm. So the world we live in now allows you to have a full-time job, 
that you can do a lot of the work remotely. And if, if you're a keynoter, I mean, it's just a couple, you have to be there early for sound check and I have to spend about an hour mentally getting prepped to be able to go on stage. And then you have your hour on stage and then you spend a little time. I do afterwards with the client, I go to their luncheon or their, their cookie break or whatever happens after me, because people want to talk to the speaker. I'm, I'm not, I've never been one of those speakers who my greatest skill is I can get to the airport 15 minutes after saying, thank you. Yeah. I always try to hang out to the extent that the audience wants me to. But even then, you have the rest of the day, you can still get that work done. So I've combined the two, and I do a lot of speaking in my role with the Austin Technology Council. I've created a speech. I don't get paid for this, but in my role leading this association, I've created a speech on the history of technology in Austin, and I speak for a lot of groups that come in and do tech conferences in Austin or Rotary Clubs or other organizations, Chamber of Commerce things, talking about you know, where we've come as a city for 30 years and where we go next. So I take my skills as a speaker and I weave them right into the job that I have. So the combination of that is working out really well. I love it. I love it. So this, this job, if God forbid a pandemic happened again next year, we don't want that, but just in case, I, I think what you've built here, it wasn't just something that you found all of a sudden during the pandemic. Some of that may have been due to relationships that you'd formed prior to. So if a pandemic were to happen again, something traumatic were to happen again, what would you do the same and what would you do differently to kind of end up where you are right now? Well, I mean, you, you hit it right on. This job came to me because previous to being a full-time speaker, I had been the marketing director for big companies that worked in and around tech, law firms, banks, consulting firms who sold to the technology community. So right. people knew who I was. I had been a contributor to the tech community for a long time. But for those you know 12 or 13 years that I was speaking and then into the pandemic, mm -hmm. I really hadn't had my focus locally because as many of us in this business know, the definition of an expert is anyone with a boarding pass. They'll pay you a lot more to fly to Chicago and give a keynote than they will in the town that you live in. Yeah. So I hadn't been involved, but when I got this job, my daughter said to me, wow, it's proof that what you teach about networking and building relationships, it's proof it works because even removed by a decade, your, your relationships, your network actually got you this opportunity. So the first thing I would tell everybody is make sure that you're connecting locally in your community, mm -hmm. whatever your topic is with, with somebody, even if you're not working or trying to sell into these companies in your local area, make sure that you're known in your local region, because that certainly helped me both with the, the original job with the search firm and this job with the association was that it was local people who I was connected to. So the first thing is I would say, make sure you have that local network of business professionals. And then the second thing is, don't be so scared about what other people are thinking or saying. Yeah. People don't spend that much time really researching what you're really up to. And maybe make that move sooner into finding a job where you can have that paycheck, have those benefits, be able to take care of your family. And at the same time, I negotiated the ability to keep my speaking business alive and cultivate that as well. And, and we've figured out ways that I can do this without impacting the association. I, I get to plan all the events for the association. And since speaking gigs are usually booked three to six months out, I know when I'm out of town and I just don't pick a date Yeah. when I'm out of town. If I'm going to do an event on a Tuesday or Wednesday, I pick the day that I'm already going to be here. And then we plan the event around that. So there's ways that you can make a speaking business and a job work together as you do it. So, so look early yeah. for ways to make those moves if you had to. 
So let me put you on the spot here for a moment. The speaking business now is very different than it was 10, 15 years ago when keynoters were the mecca. It was the pinnacle. That's if you weren't keynoting, you you weren't really a speaker. Nowadays, (laughs) it is very different. And you're encouraged, as a matter of fact, to, to have multiple revenue streams in your speaking business. If you were starting your speaking business today, knowing what you know, going through what you've gone through, what top three steps would you take right now? Well, I think one of the things is, is make sure that if you're a keynoter, there's something about your topic, a little piece of it that you can turn into a workshop. Mm-hmm. Because the one thing I never was able to do is if there was a whole bunch of businesses in the audience, they might not want, my, my topic worked great at an industry conference about how do you network, how do you get involved in your industry? But sometimes business owners, they don't want their people to really do that because they're afraid they'll get recruited away, which, by the way, is a very short-sighted, wrong answer, but it's true. So they wouldn't want somebody to come in and talk about business relationships. So I've done two things with my topic. One is I've pivoted a bit of my topic to why relationships inside your company are a retention tool. There's all kinds of studies out there that show that when employees have friendships at work with other coworkers, and with their clients and their vendors, they stay at the company longer, they work harder, and they're more satisfied in their job. Mm -hmm. So what I've done is I've weaved that into my keynote. So now I have that to sell that I could talk about internal relationships and why that matters. The other thing that I did is I got certified by the Trust Edge Leadership Institute, David Horsehager's company, Mm -hmm. to be able to train the Trust Edge content. And what's great about working with David's company is I can take some of that 20 years worth of research that they have at the Institute and weave it into my keynote. Because if you're going to build relationships, trust is part of that. You know, the old cliche, people do business with people they know, they like, and they trust. Well, instead of just saying that, I now have actual content with 20 years worth of research that I can back that up in the keynote. But then I can also say, you know, when I go into companies and teach how they can raise trust both internally and within their industry, and this is how it impacts companies, I now have something that I can go sell in a three hour, a full day or a two day workshop where I didn't have that before. So I got certified and added that in to what I do is that I now have full training that I can go in that isn't about networking. It's not about that. It's about this underlying piece of trust and how that will help your company be more successful. And so I'm able to do both. And oftentimes now people are hiring me to do that and do a trust workshop. And companies are able to see that I have this workshop and it's good. And then they're hiring me to come in and and, and do that. So being able to have multi layers to what you're speaking is, even if it's not, you know, coaching or courses or, or, or whatever, having a workshop piece that's interesting that you can spin out so that when you speak, you have something not to sell from the stage, but you have something that they can say, wow, I wish he could come into my company. You have a product that's in a box that you can sell, whether you develop yourself or you get certified on someone else's content. I love that you pointed that out because I think what a lot of people get stuck on is, oh my gosh, I've got to do these different things. I've got to build these different arms and I've got to create all of the content to make all of those different arms work. I love that you brought that out. So we're, we're wrapping this thing, man. What is the question that you would like for our audience to answer? We ask our, all of our guests to ask a question at the end. So what is your question? Well, so what I've had to do to be able to reinvent and get my sales numbers back up to a 2019 for Q1 and for the month of April, to be able to get those sales numbers back is I had to reapproach everything that I did. So just what I did, and this came from my wife, she said to me, 
you know, you built this business in the course of about a year. What did you do back then mm. that you don't do now? What did you do when you were starting? Well, I did a lot of free speeches for Rotary Clubs, Young Men's Business League, Young Women's Alliance. Uh, and so I've started doing that again so that people can see the skill set of, oh, he's good on stage. We should hire him. I also started, I back then I did a lot of marketing and blogging. So I would write a lot. I put it out on social media specific to the topic of what I speak about. And I would then do outbound marketing, whether it was emails or cold calls to potential clients who could hire me. Over time, my business had become a word of mouth business. And I had what I called a referral loop. Right. However, three years off of the main stage, as much as I, you know, for the most part, meant that my referral loop had died. And so I have to rebuild this business through cold calling, marketing, free speaking, social media, doing all those things. So my question is, if your business isn't at 100% of where you want it to be, and you're trying to still come, if you're still trying to climb your way out of the pandemic, what are you doing? What are you not doing now that you did when you originally built your business? Because going back to the basics has been great. Wow, that is a fantastic question. We want to hear from you. I'm sure we're going to get some amazing responses. So send us your thoughts and responses by going to speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail. That's speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail. Tom, this has been amazing, fantastic. So good to catch up with you, my friend. Oh, it's so good to be back here on Speakernomics. I, I'll tell you a secret. I love Speakernomics and any speaker who doesn't listen to every episode of Speakernomics, they're, they're missing out. They are. They are. Wow. This has been fantastic. Sometimes in life, things don't go the way that you planned and then you have to rebuild. And starting over can sometimes feel bad. We can feel shame. But here's the deal. When you have to start over, that's just a piece of the story. It's you practicing resilience and creating a roadmap for someone else to survive their story. And as speakers, we leverage stories to create transformation. So if you need to start over, do it with grace, do it with class, and do it like a boss. It's your time, my friend. The world needs you. Somebody's out there waiting for you to help them solve their problem. You know, the one that you solve with your message and your voice. This has been another fantastic episode of Speakernomics, the podcast where you learn more about how to speak get paid. Repeat. See you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>